Philippians chapter 1, but it's going to be more of an inductory in introducing this book and sharing some thoughts, but uh, I love, I love this book. And I hope you've read it this week. Uh, Benny called, did you read it at least once, Benny? He caught me at lunch and he said, I, I'm reading it, preacher. I'm trying to get 10. I'm not all at the same time. Spread it out. It'll be all right. But this is one of my favorite books and we're going to just ease through it together. We're going to take our time, we're not going to get in a hurry, and just look at this wonderful book, and I just encourage you to read it. Just read this wonderful book. We're just going to read the first seven verses. We're just going to kind of introduce this tonight, but look in verse, uh, chapter 1 of verse 1 in the book of Philippians. Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ." Even as it is meet for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for an opportunity to be here, a midweek prayer service and Bible study. Lord, we thank you for each one that's come out. We know there are some that are traveling. We ask you to bless them as they're away. Bring them back to us safely. We know there'll be some traveling at the end of the week and be out Sunday. We ask you to bless them and help them bring them back to us safely. Just bless as we open up this precious book of Philippians. And help us, Lord, as we all study it together to grow and understand there's one word that we're going to look at that we need in our life, and it's the word joy. We thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The book of Philippians is a book about joy. Joy. Uh, I wrote, this is uh, uh, some notes I've had through the years, and I've wrote a lot on them. But I've always got this at the top. Happiness is based on circumstances, but joy is based on Jesus. Happiness is based on circumstances, but joy is based on Jesus. And next Wednesday, I'll have my notes where y'all can have them. And this Sunday in the bulletin, there'll be a place for you to start taking outlines if you wish. I'll have you do that and we'll have those available to you. But joy is based on Jesus and one of my favorite ways to preach is through books. I'm already looking ahead, and this will probably lead us into a study in the life of Paul, which that will take us pretty much through the book of Acts. So just some things that I'm looking at, praying about. But when you look at the book of Philippians, let me give you a little background, because it's important to know what you're reading and the era, and the background, and what was Paul doing while he was writing this book? And we'll get to all that, and y'all don't get too excited, okay? Just Now, are, are y'all loving or wrestling? Okay, all right, they're good, Dad, they're good. You never know, I had two boys, didn't have two girls, but y'all remind me of R2 and the way y'all used to love. 
So there, there, there's love and then there's wrestling. But here in the book of uh, Philippians, Philippi was a Roman colony. I'm just going to give you a few things and we're going, we're going to dive into joy. It, it was a, a Roman colony governed by Roman laws and subject to Roman rule. Now, I want you to turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We're going to read a few of these verses because I want you to know, those of you, probably everybody in here knows, but we're going to go to Acts 16 and we're going to look at how the church of Philippi was started. Acts chapter 16, read just a few selected verses. Let's start down in Acts 16 and verse number 7. Actually, go down to verse 9. We'll go down to verse 9. This is the Apostle Paul, and they have already went to uh, some churches that he had founded. He wanted to return to those, but the Lord said, no, you're not going that way. You're going to go this way. In verse 9 of chapter 16, it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we, that we is Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke. He wrote the book of Acts. He's traveling with them now. He said, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathered, gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came to the straight course of Samaria and the next day to Nopolis. It's not Saturday's or Hickson, so we'll just roll on by that word. Y'all can read it there for yourself. Y'all are smart people. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. Look down to verse 14. Actually, we'll, we'll go 13. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. We sat down and spake unto the woman which restored thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things were spoken by Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. I'm not going to read the rest of it, but you can read it there for yourself. Lydia, her family, the, the little girl that was demon-possessed, you're going down to the Roman jailer all the way down through the end of chapter 16. This is where the church of Philippi, the letter he's writing, started. It started right there. That's where the church started. In Acts 28, at the very end, it tells us that Paul was on house arrest. He was chained to a Roman guard. And every four to six hours, those Roman guards would change. So that meant every four to six hours, he had another audience. And I would, one day when I get to heaven, Greg, I want to ask how many of those Roman guards were saved because of Paul asking them. I'm sure he preached to them. I'm sure he shared the gospel. So this book, Philippians, was written while in a prison cell. Also during this time frame, he wrote Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon, or Philemon, however you say it. It's different at every church I've ever been to. It's the one, that one book right there. He's wrote all those while he was on house arrest. You say, preacher, why is that interesting? Because 
this book we're going to study is about joy. But he's in jail. Even though he had a captive audience, he couldn't go anywhere. They had a thing on his legs. They had a thing on his arms. He was in jail. But yet in this hour of his life, he's talking about joy. 19 times in this book of Philippians, joy, rejoicing, or gladness is used. So here's a man in bondage preaching about joy. 1 John 1, 4 says, And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. 1 Peter 1, 8, Whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. John 15, 11, These things have I spoken unto you that your that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So as we head into this book, it's important to understand it's a book about joy. So I want to give you three thoughts on joy as we head into this book. And as you read this book, as we go through the next nine or ten weeks, however long it is, I want you to, as you read it, put yourself where the Apostle Paul was, in jail. But yet his joy was not in his circumstances. His joy was in Jesus. Our circumstances are going to change. The weather's going to change. Our health is going to change. Things are going to change. But too many people that I know are basing everything they have on, well, preacher, I'm just not happy. Happiness is based on circumstances. Sister Linda, we're saved, bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't change. Y'all hearing me tonight? I, I was told I got a big steal because I don't have my mic on, so I'm, I'm going to try. Jesus does not change, Dorothy. He does not change. He never will change. So our joy, we go from day to day, our joy is to be in him. Let me give you some thoughts on joy. Y'all with me? This side is for sure. Y'all with me? Wave at me. There we go. Got my kids in here tonight working with me. The first thing, joy that is described. What does Paul mean when he's telling these folks about joy? Something else in this book that we're going to look at, we're going to discover the word mind is used 10 times. Think is used five times. And at the times he uses the word remember, you have a total of 16 times that Paul refers to the mind. What does that mean, preacher? Attitude. Joy comes from our attitude. Your life may be rotten right now. But your joy is in Jesus. It's all about our attitude. All about our attitude. And we're going to see that as we go along. Philippians 1 through 4 that we read. I want to read these four verses again. Paul is kind of a greeting here as we introduce this book. It says, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. Notice he mentioned saints. He mentioned bishops. 
and he mentions deacons. The saints he's referring to is the body of believers. The bishops he's referring to are the pastors. And then the deacons he's referring to as deacons and joy. I don't know that that goes hand in hand. It does here at Middle Cross Baptist Church. Amen. Can't say it's always been the case in other churches. But joy, he's talking about and he's addressing these three. He wanted the church to be encouraged. I spent this morning about an hour and a half at breakfast with a pastor from Ridgedale Baptist over at Hickory Valley. We went there for a little while. Seth is going there now. This guy's been there 10 years and he is an amazing guy. He's, he's 60 years old, but he needs to be on ADHD medicine. I mean, he was wearing me out, but he was so encouraging. He was such a, just a, a blessing. He was giving me some insight and helping me because he's, his joy was apparent. The little waitress walked up and he stopped what he was doing and he got her name. He asked about prayer request and we prayed for her brother who's got cancer who's in the hospital somewhere but you could just see the joy radiating off of him and I thought hmm I wonder do I come across that way do, do we do you do I come across that way as being joyful you say what do you mean it's our attitude right now my little wife has got like three hours left tomorrow, and she's done with school. And I get my summer wife back. I love my summer wife a whole lot better than I like the latter part of the, and that, that we've discussed this, we know. But seriously, our teachers are getting a, a break. And if you don't think they need a break, you need to be married to one or have a son that's one, and you'll understand what I'm saying. But her joy is going to come back. Amen. Her happiness is going to come back. But our joy is based on attitude. I know. And I've seen it and you've seen it. Pastor comes into church. The pastor pretty much sets the attitude for the church on Sundays. He does. That's just the fact. It's just the way it is. And I've been in church services and I'm thinking, okay, how can I get out of here? And I've been in church services where I'm the pastor and my ear may be clogged up and I feel awful. But as I walk in behind that pulpit, I just say, Lord, let me, let, let your joy, let your spirit let come out in me as I'm before the people. Because I get up here and say, it's good to see you all this morning. Yeah. Well, you're all going to be happy to be here, aren't you? But as Christians, our joy should come out. Paul is describing this joy. It's a joy that is described. Then we see it's a joy that is destroyed. Mm. Joy that is destroyed. We each have things in our life that steal our joy. And one of them is circumstances. I've already talked about happiness and joy and circumstances. Some things we cannot control. I've worked with so many people in my career. There was one guy I'm thinking of, and I think he was just mad that he woke up. He just was. He was one of those people. And I'm not a, a big morning person. My dad was. Nobody else in our house was. It's a wonder he made it as long as he did. But when I get on a job and I've kind of had my Coke and my biscuit, I'm feeling good. 
And I would get, I would see this guy. And Dorothy, I'd make a beeline to him. I'd say, good morning, Wayne. Good morning, what's good about it? Well, you woke up. I don't know that's good or not. Wow. Much I can do with that. Have a good day. And I just walk away. But our joy should come out in us. If we're saved, we've got something to be joyful about. Your circumstances, hey, they may stink. I mean, uh, I spent a year and a half on a job up in Cleveland. I was, uh, I had a big, important job and I hated it probably from day three. And I was miserable. I brought it home with me. And I was pastoring a church. And there were some rough times during that time frame. But my joy wasn't coming out. It wasn't. I'll just tell you, it wasn't. My joy, I left it in the home. And I would just mad all day. Just argumentative all day long. And you know, when I, once I got through with that job and doled and when I was done with it, I had a Little, little old, older lady come up to me at church. She said, Preacher, I sure am glad that job's over. I said, Why? She said, Because you, you've been kind of ornery the past few months. Have you been talking to my wife again? She said, No, Preacher, I love you, but you've been kind of ornery. And I was, and I didn't realize it because I let circumstances steal my joy. Another one, other people steal our joy. We can't control the weather. And one thing that just gets on me is traffic. I've, I've driven all across the southeast working, and traffic and other people that don't know how to drive absolutely drive me crazy. Absolutely drive me crazy. And I always Sandy on the way to church on a Wednesday night coming from Cleveland, I'd always get behind that one. And I would come in on two wheels, take a shower, Boom, I'm at church, put on a smile, try to be joyful, but I'm thinking about that woman that cut me off. I mean, you know, y'all, y'all with me? Am I the only one that feels this way? No, you're not. Preacher, we're all together. Other people steal our joy. The wisest counsel I ever got from my pastor, he said, people are people and people are problems, but to serve Christ, you have to serve people. Best advice I've ever got. I don't always use it. But anyway, other people and what else? Things steal our joy. Things steal our joy. President Abraham Lincoln was walking down the street with his two boys. And they were crying and fighting. What was going on? One said, why are they crying? Why are they fighting? Abraham Lincoln said the same thing that's wrong with the world. I have three walnuts and each of them want two. Huh? Things. Things steal our joy. In the book of Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, this is Jesus talking. And he said unto them, take heed, beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. Matthew 6, 19, 20, and 21. These are verses, are really good verses. Lay not up yourselves for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wow, great verses. What else steals our joy? Worry, worry, worry. And there's not anybody that I've ever met that doesn't worry a little bit. 
Some worry more than others. My poor grandmother, bless her heart, she's with the Lord now, has been for many years. But she would worry because she didn't have anything to worry about. She'd call my mama. She said, have you talked to Kevin? She said, yeah, just a little while ago. He'd been working, been at the ball fields, and everything's good. Well, he hadn't called me to tell me anything's wrong. She said, well, mama, that means nothing's wrong. Well, I just worry about that boy. Well, Mama said, I do too, but everything's good. Everything's all right. Everything's okay. But we all worry. I've heard preachers get up and say, I never worry. I went up and told one of them, yeah, but you just told a lie. Everybody worries. We do. We worry about our kids. We worry about our jobs. We worry about these things. But these things steal our joy. But there's one other. That's the devil. The devil steals, tries tries to steal our joy but let me tell you something about the devil sister Shirley he didn't give you your joy and he sure can't steal it from you now here's what we do I usually have a handkerchief in my pocket when I illustrate this I'll just use this card here's what we do we say here you go devil here's my joy you can have it I don't want it and we walk away all the devil's tickled he's thrilled I've got his joy no he doesn't he can't give it. He can't take it away because he didn't give it to me. Y'all hearing me this evening? These things worry other people, uh, circumstances, the devil. We let them steal our joy. We let them. I'm sure there are people in your life, there's people in my life, our life, that we'd kind of like to body slam. I mean... I'm just a redneck from Saudi days, you folks. I can't help it. It comes out in me sometimes. There are, and, and if y'all are all honest, everybody's got somebody in their life you're thinking, ugh, I just locked up. Yeah, I just locked up. Yeah, I just locked up. You know what we do, though? We let them steal our joy. Here's what I've learned to do. And walk away. And pray and say, Lord, help me. To be a better person. To where that person won't hate my guts. Or whatever. You know what I'm saying. We let these things happen. We let these things happen. And number three. A joy that is determined. So how do we keep. And this is going to get into the gist of it. And where we'll be over the next 10 or 11 weeks. How do we keep from letting these things rob us of our joy. I've already talked about attitudes. And there's four different attitudes that'll help us maintain our joy we're going to cover them as we go through the first one we'll begin to look at next week it's a single mind in chapter one we're going to see that chapter one verse 21 says for me to live is christ and to die is gain paul said i'm in jail but for me to live is christ and to die is gain for my life, for me to live is Christ. Now, when a Christian is single-minded, he'll be concerned about some things. In verses 1 through 11, we're going to see this. He'll be concerned about the fellowship of the gospel. In verse 5, it says, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day till now. And I'll expand on that more next week. And then we see the furtherance of the gospel. In verse 12, it says, But I would, I would you should understand, brethren, 
that the things which happened to me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. And then he speaks of the faith of the gospel in verse number 27 of chapter 1. And I'm just going through this just to kind of give you a thought in mind as we head into the main study next week. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Over the next several weeks, we'll go over those things. So single mind. And then a submissive mind in chapter 2. This chapter deals with other people. Chapter 2 and verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Boy, that's something we need to practice. Putting ourselves aside and putting others first. Being kind. That's not happening right now in our day and time, folks. Kindness is out the door. Putting others first is out the door. We need to bring that back. The, the submissive mind. And then in chapter 3, we're going to see the spiritual mind. In chapter 3, 11 times he uses the word things. And he points out earthly things. And a spiritually minded Christian should be concerned about heavenly things. In chapter 3, verse 20, if you got your... Bible staring in your lap there. Look in verse 20 of chapter 3. For our conversation or citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are citizens of heaven. We need to act like it. We need to be like a citizen of heaven. And we'll get into that as we go along. And then the last mindset is the secure mind. This is where he talks a lot about worry. Worry is actually wrong thinking, thinking and, and wrong feelings. But he's going to, in chapter 4 and verse 7, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts or guard them and minds through Christ Jesus. So as we go through this study, we're going to hit every one of these mindsets we're going to expose them. We're going to get them out there for us to see. And we'll, I want you to, to read. And that way, when we come in here next week, we're going to cover 1 through 11. We're going to cover it. And I want you to read those verses and know what I'm talking about. I, I try to do that. I try to do that so you can read ahead, so you can study. But I wanted to introduce this book to you. I wanted to kind of give you an idea of what we were going to be doing and the direction we're going to be going, and that it's about joy. And I wonder tonight, before we go into our time of prayer, are you joyful in Jesus? Are you joyful in Jesus? We, as Christians, have a whole lot to be joyful about. Just the fact that the Lord Jesus saved our lost, hell-bound souls just the fact that he loves us like he does. We sung the song, I'd rather have Jesus. Is that true? In your heart, can you simply say, you know what, I'd rather have Jesus. 
I may not have the best of things. I may not have all these things, but I know that I have Jesus. So that's where we are. That's how we're going to get started. And next week we'll start in chapter one, go down through verse 11. And I hope and pray it's a blessing to you. Let me ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. We'll go into our prayer time, our prayer request here in just a moment. But just right there at your seat, just take a minute. Maybe and just say, Lord, I need more joy in my life. I need, I need to be more joyful. I need to be more joyful. I need to let your, your joy, your, your, your love come out. As I said Sunday, we need to let Jesus shine through our lives. Right there at your seat, maybe just take a moment and pray and ask the Lord to help you have more joy.